You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy, everybody. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Kyle Pendigraft. Yes, I found it. Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, and Evan Pasoko. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the show today, we review the penultimate, oh man, I, that's a tough word, round of the NASCAR iRacing Coke Series Championship and find out who makes the final four of the championship race for Phoenix. In hardware, I'll tell you how I've lost my mind and just spent all my money and much, much more. Hey guys, and remember, you can follow with us on your PC or mobile device in real time. So just listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics that we're going to be talking about today by visiting iRacersLounge.com and select show notes. Hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaked and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough, and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And let's go Coke racing, Talladega, man. That's my personal favorite track. I usually get a good result there. Uh, Evan, uh, tell us uh, what you think. Pre-race with Boyer, that was kind of fun. Yeah, you know, coming into this Dega race, obviously, it was a highlight um, when we knew the schedule, right? Um, it's a cut race. Um, it's a super speedway racetrack and kind of uh, a big boiling point, right? I mean, it kind of set it up pretty easy for us uh, to be high stakes. And because, you know, unlike the actual uh, NASCAR Cup Series, we don't have Daytona as a regular season finale. So this is kind of our big super speedway race for the year, right? But uh, all the chatter coming into this one had kind of been you know how is this package gonna race right i mean uh let's make no you know whips and qualms about it i mean this is a very different plate package than it was just you know six months ago to a year ago right so um we really didn't know what we were going to see coming into dega which is normal right because it's kind of hard to predict these races but it was a little bit different this time around uh with some of that uncertainty yeah, yeah, we've experienced the same thing in the NASCAR iRacing series, and so let's see how it plays out. It was green flag uh, Vicente Salas, Jake Nichols leading the field. Uh, we we had a quote. Yeah, there's a car there. Says Ray Alfala to Michael Guest as the first caution flies as the field completes lap one. 
it was like one of like two or three incidents that could have caused the caution on the first lap of this race. Um, and yeah, I mean, Michael knew again, talking about the package that it was going to be very critical to get to the bottom. And he thought it being lap number one, that Ray was going to cut him a break. Uh, Ray very clearly had no intention of doing so and didn't lift out of the throttle form. Right. And it's 110% on Michael guest. He's the driver who's coming down, but uh, Ray probably could have avoided that if he wanted to. He opted to stand his ground, and it wasn't that big of an incident, right? I mean, things were, were pretty much okay. A little bit of damage, I think, um, on Alfala when it was all said and done. Um, but, the, but the damage really wasn't uh, the problem for those drivers. I think uh, as the race would play out, it would show, um, you know, the, the kind of issue with that early race Contact is just set those guys behind, right? Not just damage, but track position hurt both of them uh, in a race where that would be pretty critical. Yeah, and it set the tone for, you know, single file racing, uh, get to the bottom. If you don't, you're hung out. And that's what we saw through the first part of this race. Uh, up to lap 12, it was Jake Nickel leading. And then lap 23, we saw a green flag pit stops underway. It was Conti. It was Ottinger, Bryant, and others pit. Joining Conti, Ottinger, and Bryant on pit road were Golinski, Clampett, Busa, Davies. And this this was it, right? This is what the uh, the rest of the race would really come down to was the pitch strategy um, and, and, you know, trying to separate that lead pack, right? We knew that it was going to come down to pit stops to split things up and the execution was going to be the story. Um, but I don't think many people were expecting, uh, you know, that Team Conti alliance group to pit that early. Um, and most importantly, they opted to not take full fuel, right? So they only ended up spending, I think it was about about eight seconds in the box um the opposite strategy and you know we'll talk about this as we, we walk through this race step by step but the opposite strategy everybody else would do the opposite right they basically went full fuel on the first pit cycle took a little bit less on the second these guys did the reverse and they undercut everybody they executed the pit strategy very well and separated themselves immediately uh you know as as kind of their own group of of seven or so cars yeah, and so let's take note of that because that ends up being a key move for the race, uh, that group uh, pitting early there at 23. Uh, lap 27, Michael Guest leads another group of nine onto pit road. Uh, Vicente Salas slid through his box and had to back up, and, and when there's no yellows, I mean, that's that's brutal. Yeah, that's and especially, you know, not only are you losing time, that's only so important, but, um, you know, you, you lose your positioning in your pack, right? You're going to lose the draft. And that's really what hurts him more there is that's why I mentioned, right, that first group, I, there was a point in mentioning that they were perfect on the execution because that's what it's going to take. Um, if you're getting out of the pit lane and you're waiting on a guy like Vicente, uh, who you know, didn't totally blow it, um, but certainly cycled back and, and kind of had to rush to get out of the box a little bit more than he would have. If you're waiting on a guy and kind of dragging the brake on, on the apron there, blend it back out to get grouped up. I mean, you're costing yourself so much time when that group prior to you executed perfectly. So it can happen to anybody just a little bit too deep into the box. He corrected it pretty quickly, but it did cost him, I think, one, two seconds or so. And it just shuffled back a little bit in his group. Right, and then two laps later uh, on 29, Casey Kerwin leads another eight on the pit road. Uh, penalty for Kerwin speeding on pit road. I think he joked later on Twitter, this is about the only thing that happened during the race, but uh, he had a penalty and that hurt him pretty bad. Lap 32, it was Leahy, uh, Mitchell, Bobby, and Shearburn pitting as a group uh, at that point. 
Yeah, no shock seeing those guys come in, and, and that kind of puts uh, a button on your first uh, pit cycle, with the exception of uh, Femi Olat and Stephen Wilson, who just seemed to be able to go longer than anybody else. And, um, you know, maybe in a strategy gamble that didn't necessarily work out the best for them. But, but when we saw that group before, uh, Leahy and those guys come down to the pit lane, that kind of put a button on things, right? And, and that's when we really got to see how well – did that, you know, Team Conti Alliance do, right? Because we knew they separated themselves. We were looking at the timer and we're saying, no, you know, they're, they're 36 seconds back of the race leaders or whatever the number was. And we thought that, yeah, they'll probably cycle through to the race lead. But once those four pitted, I mean, we really got an idea of how well that first group nailed it. And they completely blitzed everybody else in that pit cycle. And we're just so far ahead after just that first cycle. Yeah, it was a Team Conti Drill Isle Alliance. Uh, Nick Ottinger was leading the train. Uh, eventually, yeah, Olat and, and Wilson pit at 38. Uh, we had another quote, wow, was a good save. I don't know why it was why it was going to turn you, but good save, said Matheson as he clips Garrett Lowe, who was trying to get in line. Another one of those close calls couple of those right and and again that goes to the the coordination right i mean you have a group of seven cars with with conti and drill aisle right or seven or eight whatever the number was um you would think that if you have 20 cars in line, you're going to be faster than the group of seven, right? But uh, this is something that we talked on the, on the broadcast with Blake and Steve about that it's just harder to wrangle 20 cars, right, versus seven. So you had a lot of moments like that where people really couldn't coordinate that well on how to get in line. And just all those little things started adding up and added up. And fortunately, once in the yellow. Uh, but again, at that point, I mean, those guys were, were kind of fumbling it and already on the back end, kind of realizing that uh, if this thing was going to run itself out, I mean, they were out of the race in the blink of an eye and we weren't even halfway home yet. So I'm going to digress a bit. After the first cycle of stops, we're back into a, a green flag run. So the second one here. And I was looking at the Twitter and, and trying to get the, the feel of the fan. And, and I think Steel Horse Live said it uh, the, the best. He said the E-NASCAR parade is something else. At least the chat is good. And they were having fun in the chat on your YouTube Live uh, with you guys. Uh, but having Steve in the booth must must be great in those kind of moments when, you know, he can just talk racing forever, can't he? especially when we have a race that is strategy oriented right like this right um you know we were kind of listening in you mentioned uh, that radio chatter from very early in the race when when ray was sarcastically telling michael yeah there's a car there um i always have that driver radio chat on um so i'm always listening and then also you know we had brandon Cattell on pit road with us and, and we were getting some sound bites as well and it, it's awesome to have steve as an incredible resource to ask him like hey the driver's frustrated right i mean how do you as a crew chief deal with that right so you can ask him about the strategical aspects of the race uh you can ask him about kind of those emotional aspects of the race and he is uh truly truly such a good person to call a race with and then we also you know had the opportunity since parker wasn't available this week for blake to join us in the booth as well of course he's a guy that's right there on the cusp uh, in the road to pro qualifying series so he knows a lot of these guys right he knows the intricacies of the strategies on the sim as well so i thought for a talladega race that was wasn't your typical Talladega thriller. Uh, we certainly had the right guys alongside me to be able to talk through some of those parts of the race. Yep. Halfway at Talladega, the gap from the first group to the second was about nine seconds. At 36 to go, it was Ottinger, Conti, Gorlinski, Clampett, Busa, Davies, Bryant, and they pit. 
they had penalties, uh, Lion's Choice and uh, Malik Ray speeding on pit road, and that killed their race. That's that's how easy it is, right? And uh, you go back to that point talking with Steve, right? This is a conversation me and him had on the show about pit lane entries, right? I think I used Darlington, Dover maybe as examples, right? Those are tricky pit roads to get onto just because of the geometry, right? I mean, it's tough. Um, but but Steve picked the right word. I think it's so enticing, right? Um, because if you want to slow down to pit road speed at Talladega, you could do it easy, right? But it's just such a wide open straight shot off of four that you're enticed into trying to give it a little bit too much. And, you know, we see the penalties for Nathan Line and Malik Gray in this instance on that uh, previous pit side. We saw a couple of drivers get awfully close to some speeding penalties. A couple of guys, uh, I think even one car got all the way to the grass uh, on the pit lane entry, but didn't get nailed with a penalty. So that was a story on that as well with these green flag pit stops was guys being a little bit too aggressive and messing up on the entry to the pit lane or as you mentioned previously with Vicente you know having issues actually getting into the box as well so there were a lot of mistakes on pit road yeah and then uh pit stops have cycled uh, with about 25 laps to go and then at 12 to go uh, the second pack which was the Coanda trio of Salas Baines and Wilson is within six seconds of the lead pack, but they still need a yellow to catch back up. Um, and then we got down to the white. It was Mike Conti. He goes to the outside and tries something, anything, but nobody goes with him. And of course, he gets uh, you know hung out. Yeah, that's the he kind of got uh, tricked into it, and I think hindsight um, may prove that Bob Bryant wanted to work with him, right? But uh, in this case, uh, Conti kind of steps out to the outside. He needs a pusher, right? And Bryant's following him, so he's like, "All right, we're doing this thing," and then Bob leaves him. And at that point, Conti's hopes are done, right? He needed to win the race to advance to the next round. He's done in that instant. And Bob's thinking, listen, I'm going to hang this guy out to drive. I think he was banking out to dry. I think he was banking on those uh, Logitech cars up front from William Byron Esports fighting with each other, right? And they never did. And he just sat there in third. Um, his loan opportunity to go to the outside was gone. And I think at that point, the decision was pretty clear amongst uh, the William Byron cars, right? That, uh, listen, Nick Ottinger can't win this championship, but if he wins the race, it most importantly means that, you know, none of Logan Clampett's competitors do, right? And Clampett was the second seed in on points. Remember, there was a one-point difference to Mitchell DeYoung, so that was a big story we were following, right? If somebody else won, could have been Logan out by one, Mitchell in by one, but by Ottinger holding the lead, and by um, you know Logan pushing him to the race win, it guaranteed a win for the team, and it guaranteed that Logan Clampett is one of the championship four. So great job. We talk about the alliance with Conti, um, you know, and that, and that whole group in the drill aisle. But really, at the end, we knew that it was going to sever off at some point, and it was the William Byron guys who stuck together to the end. Well. You know, to the true race fan, it was a good race because it's fun to watch how it plays out with team racing. I mean, and this is truly that. I mean, pitting together, uh, you can't pit by yourself or you're just hosed. I mean, you have to be with the group getting on and off pit road and you have to plan this stuff. And we do this in our regular races, too. And uh, it, it makes it a different kind of strategy than a normal race where you're usually just kind of on your own. Um, so it is fascinating from that point. Uh, the end of the race, you know, kind of played out a mirror image of how the whole race played out and the way the package is right now on this car, on this track. It's single file. And if you pull out even in the white flag, you're hosed. And and so I, I don't blame these guys for not pulling out and trying to make a, a good race out of the end uh, because they would have been, you know, they, they're probably better off staying where they're at. 
Yeah, and I think we all knew, you know, even before the race, listen, this thing's probably going to be decided on the last lap, right? Um, you'd have thought, you know, could they start to splinter off in that lead pack early, but they stayed true until the white flag, and then they did it. And I don't think it was impossible for somebody to win the race other than Nick Ottinger, right? If I think if Bob Bryant had gone with Michael Conti, they may not have gone all the way to the race lead, just the two of them, but they would have gone alongside, right? And that could have opened up a vacuum behind for other cars to either fill that gap on the bottom, push those William Byron Chevys out in front, or go with those guys on the outside, right? And I think if two other cars had gone, um, you know, with Bob Bryant and Michael Conti, they'd probably go to the front and have a chance to win this race. And I think that it's just a strategy play gone wrong, right? I don't think that it was a, a premeditated move by Bob to hang out Conti. Conti goes up top. It was a split deck, se- split second decision just in the long run. It ends up being the wrong call. And again, once once there was that much kind of discombobulation behind and, and nobody else could really get formed up, you're not touching two cars that are pushing like that. If you had a whole lap to get them, maybe you're not going to make those last second drafts like we used to see um, coming through the trial. You just don't have that same suck um, as in the past. So, uh, But I agree with you, right? I mean, I love seeing the team strategy play out, not your conventionally most exciting Talladega race, but just because of all the different situations and having four drivers in that lead pack, right, who needed a win of those seven, uh, made for some quite compelling storylines down the stretch. Yep, and so Ottinger wins, uh, Clampett and Mitchell advance. Uh, you know, with with Nick becomes a 14th different winner in 17 races. Um, and so the another neat tweet I saw by Ryan Kish. Uh, kind of talked about a couple teams and how how that played out, and he and he pointed out that Team Conti Drill Isle had P1, P2, P3, P4, P5, P6, and a P39, but then Dead Zone Racing. Uh, P11, 12, 13, 15, 19, 23, 24, 25, 26, 35, 36, 37. Yikes, dead zone racing had a bad race. Everybody thought they were going to be the ones to watch, right? Um, That was the talk, right? We, you know, we have these conversations anytime you go to a plate race that, yeah, you need a team, right? You need strength in numbers. And to be honest, the talk going into the race was that dead zone was going to walk all over everybody. Um, And they just weren't as clean on their execution. Um, you know, they got stuck because they weren't able to get on their own, right? They were in that second pack, but they had about a dozen other cars with them. They could not get away from everybody else. And that's where the benefit for the Team Conti Drill Isle gang came in as they pitted first. They got away from everybody else and they were able to work in coordination with each other. And uh, that goes to show you that it's not just the number of cars that makes the difference. It's the strategy. And in this one, Dead Zone just didn't have it. And then in true Jeff Gluck style, Justin Melillo puts up on a Twitter a poll, was the E. Talladega a good race, yes or no? Uh, no took it 82%, yes, 17%. Yeah, so worse than the the Vegas Cup race <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, not the uh, not the most exciting Talladega race. Listen, the drivers will be honest, right? Um, not a fan of how the package runs. Um, you know, we see these same gripes with the you know the low horsepower, high downforce package, but they just they just don't like this play package. Um, there's no beating around it. And I think at the end of the day, we still had compelling storylines. Thank goodness, because it was the round of ten finale. Um, if we didn't have 
have all those playoff implications and intricacies that were a big part of the end of the race. We probably spent more time talking about scenarios and points in the last 20 laps than we did about actually what was happening on track, right? So uh, it would have been not the greatest of races if that was a regular season race where we didn't have all that other stuff to talk about. Well... And, you know, I wouldn't be, I'd probably be more mad if we were still running this car, but going into next year, I mean, this is it. I mean, this car, this package on this track, we're never going to see it again. So, uh, we're, so what a send off, you know, kind of goes out on a whimper. I'm kind of disappointed about that, but let's talk points. When I look at the points, we got the top four tied at 3000. And so uh, tell us what that really means. And then also, Evan, uh, some of the other people that didn't quite make the top four. I mean, right there in fifth, Matt Busa, man, he's had a great year. Graham Bolin, Bob Bryant, Jimmy Mullis, Conti. Yeah, you know, if we don't have the win and you're in in this round, Matt Busa makes it, right? Matt Busa finished fourth, technically, in the points through the round of 10. But, of course, that race win from Keegan Leahy bumps him up from sixth in the points to an automatic lock, right? So uh, the drivers who advance through are your race winners from this round. So Keegan Leahy uh, advances himself on in courtesy of the race win. Um, you know, then you'll have uh, the the points bubble. We thought it was going to come down to Mitchell and Logan, right? Uh, but they both ended up being in. So at the end, it's a 10-point gap back to Matt Busa. Um, but again, I mean, Busa, Bolin, Bryant, Mullis, Conti, uh, all really had good looks at winning this race, to be honest. Vicente, of course, those issues early uh, took him out of the conversation. But we all reset to 3,000 points, and now we don't care about finishing position and, and winning your in because as we all know um in two weeks time it is just going to be the highest finisher of those four drivers at texas uh will walk away with the 2021 championship and uh, a little bit more than a hundred thousand dollars yeah and i want to point out that three of the four are teammates okay so is there anything you know in the play because of that or I, I don't I mean, you know, it's it's different when you go to a place like Talladega to a place like Texas. Right. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be much out of the ordinary. Right. Obviously, you're going to be working on setups together. I don't think they're going to be really splintering from one another. Um, but but when you get on the racetrack, I don't think there's going to be much coordination amongst the teams. Um, maybe if you're side by side, like like Keegan and uh, you know Zach were into the final corner. Uh, maybe if he's your teammate, you're a little bit less inclined to door him. So maybe we'll see a clean result for the championship again. But um, you know, I think uh, these guys may be that much more motivated, uh, you know, to beat their teammate for the championship than anybody else because they're going to be on you know basically the same equipment and, and with the same prep going into it. So it's uh, it's certainly going to be an exciting run. Uh, I don't really know what to expect to be honest, as we head uh, into Texas for a championship race, right? Of course, uh, you know, without that new scan of Phoenix on the sim and because of the pandemic, iRacing hasn't been able to get out to the West Coast to scan it. Last year, we went to Homestead. That was a very popular choice, right? Your uh, kind of historic uh, grounds for the championship in this series for the better part of the last, uh, you know, decade or so. And now we go to Texas, and that's not a fan favorite racetrack, right? I, I, I have no inclination to believe it's not that new version of Texas Motor Speedway. Um, but I think that it gives us a lot of data, right? Because we have had a lot of intermediate races to look back on. 
Um, haven't seen a driver dominate him, but we'll certainly crunch the numbers. And um, I think guys will go into that race with a pretty good idea of what their hopes will be just because, you know, we run so much of the season on the intermediate racetracks that uh, finishing it off there at Texas means these teams have had ample time to, you know, improve and, and get ready. I wonder if a guy like a Bobby Zelensky, right, or a Keegan Leahy will have a foot up on the competition because those guys didn't care about Talladega, right? They didn't spend the last week testing strategies and trying to get thousands here and thousands there, right? Uh, in the case of Bobby, he's known he's going to be in this race since a month ago today. So I'm just curious if somebody like a Bobby Z, an extra month of preparation um, could probably go a long way. Right, right. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who's got the best set. <laughs> and so two weeks from now, is that the race? Yeah, we're coming back uh, one last time, two weeks uh, from last race. So uh, it's going to be on uh, Tuesday, October the 12th, I believe. Um, we will have a, a special one-hour countdown to green shows, so make sure you guys tune in um, at enascar.com slash live starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then we'll go racing at 9 and uh, get set to crown the champion. All right. Uh, yeah, the pre-race has been fun. I've been watching uh, some of that recently, and those guys do a good job. And they got a, a, a young lady doing the host. I forget her name. And uh, the other three guys, you know, have experience. They know what they're talking about. And then they do that rig review, which I really like. I need to get my new build on that before uh, the final race so we can talk about it then. I like getting involved because I sent mine in a couple of weeks ago, too, and I think it made it on the countdown to green, although they, were, they weren't happy that there wasn't a wheel so maybe i'll have to uh jump in the sim at some point over the course of uh the rest of the talladega week here since that's uh, a little bit uh, easier uh, race for me to jump right into and, and send another one in but yeah i mean you know all those guys are former drivers um you know half of them have, have been, most of them i think have been uh, you know running in the qualifier series for road to pro this year and um, just just add so much insight. So I know that, uh, you know, iRacing and everybody's putting a lot of special stuff into that pre-race show. So I'll certainly be tuning in um, an hour before we actually go racing. And, uh, and then, of course, I think it'll be uh, myself, Stephen Parker uh, for the championship race. 167 laps at Texas. It'll be fun uh, to see. There's a lot of fun storylines, right? Guys like Zelensky and Leahy, who have been oh so close before um, looking to, to kind of break through and get it done. That's right. So I'm. Uh, it's been a great year, and uh, so happy that you've been with us throughout it, Evan. And looking forward to the final race. And we'll talk to you then. I appreciate you guys having me as always. Uh, hope you guys enjoy tuning in, and uh, I'll be uh, I'll be back to talk all about it when it's all settled. Okay, Brian, tell us about. Uh, iRacing sponsorship at Martinsville. Yeah, guys. So um, this past Thursday was the Valley Star 300, which is a late model race at Martinsville. It's the largest model race uh, in the country. Huge race for everybody to go to. And uh, iRacing uh, driver and NASCAR development driver Raja Kruth uh, was part of the uh, festivities. Um, so I looked through the results and um, I could only find the uh, the results of the finals, and uh, he was not in it. So he qualified 30th, so I did see that, but he did not make the features. So uh, he didn't quite make it to the end there. Um, but um, the uh, the winner of it was actually a, a kid named Landon Pembleton, 
who is uh, set th- set a, a record. He was the youngest driver ever win that race, 16 years old, which is ridiculous. I wonder if he's so, related to Ryan Pimble- Pemberton. Uh, it's Pembleton. Is that Pimbleton. his last name? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't see that. So, yeah, he uh, he takes the win. It's a huge field. A lot of experienced drivers in that race. Uh, great late model drivers. And, uh, man, so this, this is a name you might want to uh, remember. He, he could, could do some big things. Uh, winning a winning a race like that at such a young young age is going to turn some heads. Um, so, congratulations on landing. Yeah, and then Roger's paint job. I mean, classic. Uh, you know, late model. You know, all black, and then i racing logo on the hood, and he's got Sunoco across the the door panels. Uh, it looks pretty sharp. Okay, let's uh, try to keep the Mount Washington going week after week. Greg, tell us about Mount Washington. So. Uh, there was a post on the iRacing.com Twitter page here, and uh, member Parker Bland uh, does this amazing drift um, on Mount Washington, and it's t- entitled uh, A Drift That Even Travis Pastrana Would Be Proud Of. Now, it's so close to going off the edge, but man, does he do a hell of a job trying to keep that thing straight afterwards. But that is one... That's one way to keep momentum going through there without slowing down, eh, Mike? I mean, uh, I was like, what car is this? Oh, it looks like a Gen 6. But, I mean, he's really keeping the, the, the wheels spinning to, to be able to fishtail that baby around the corners. Yeah, Where's your video of this? It is a Gen 6 car. Uh, you can see in the cockpit it's got the uh, digital readouts. Where's your videos, Mike? How many times have you tried this? I haven't tried it. I didn't know the wheels could spin on this low-powered car. <laughs> It's well, got to be in the setup. Does it uh, gears right? Does it take the uh, this? Does it still have one of the? Well, I wonder what package it puts it in. Would it be a low downforce pack? Or it looks like high downforce pack. Uh, maybe not even any package because it doesn't have the this the wing on the back that has the uh, the. Plexi doesn't have the clear part, part of the wing, right? It's missing the plexi part. So I don't I don't know which what what package it might be. Just full out. You might actually have. It might have yeah, it might be the seven fifty, right? Yeah. 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 That's you, the might short even track have, package. you might even have the 900 package from back in the day. All right. Let's not get all uh, caught up in the size of the package. It's just a pretty sweet video, right? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> title idea. Well, after the disappointing race at Talladega, I mean, it, you know, you know, I hate to see the car, this car go out like that, but what a neat uh, tribute to this car. I mean, it does show the power of it, you know, the way he's flick, uh, you know, flinging it around like that. I don't even know to respond to that one. Yeah, it's, it's good to see that that car could actually do some of that because you really can't do that in any of the other racing stuff, right? It, it's like the only place you can get away with doing it unless you go into the dirt. Well, wasn't this car designed like uh, with a lot of road course racing in mind? No, this is the current cup car, not the new one. Oh, oh, well, going way too fast. Gen That's what I was saying. He's got some car, trick gears or something. Yeah, if there's another car on the track, then it would just it would just die right out. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Kyle, how about uh, rally car, rally cross? Um, so it's like iRacing here posted on Twitter. Uh, the iRacing RX World Championship presented by Yokohama Mac. I, I can't even pronounce that. It's all too jumbled for me. Uh, kicked off with a bang at Daytona. Checked out. Check out the highlights here and watch. 
sure to should be one of the closest finishes of the season. We're back in action from Atlanta on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, neat, neat little 30 second video here. Uh, just a recap of the Daytona race, uh, the RX race, I say. Uh, I mean, I'm not the biggest Rallycross fan, but it's pretty neat to watch. I, I got to go kick out of it for a few seconds there. Mike, can you tell in this video, are those cars black or are they dirt colored? Like the amount of dirt that's on those cars in that video is crazy. I think it's like a gray color. I wonder if the dirt is like... It could be like a metallic gray or something like that. I don't know, but it, it looks black in one of the colors. But yeah, it's very dirty. I wonder if the dirt's like really wet and so it sticks more than usual. It looks, it gave a really cool effect to the cars though. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Like the whole front end is just like completely covered. You can't see the paint even. Now I, I missed this race, but uh, I mean, this series was always fun to watch, but it basically it used to always be about the whole shot at the beginning. If you can get a clean lap yep. and going is basically what was going to happen. There wasn't going to be much passing unless somebody screwed up. Or in this case, I, I think it was the Joker lap that won him the, the race, the timing of when you do the Joker. Some people do it on the first lap. Some people wait to the last lap. Um, I, I, if I recall, I think it was a guy waited to the last lap and then won it. But I had this on in the background while I was working, and I couldn't really hear it, but I was kind of watching it. And it's kind of fun just to have on your phone watching, because uh, especially on the starts, because they have heat races, and so they, there's a lot of different starts and there's heats and there's you know last chance qualifier and all that so uh the starts are always really fun to watch yeah mike uh you stole a little of my thunder what i was going to say about this was that i thought it was really interesting that the one car saved his joker, joker to the very last lap so as they're as they're driving through the last lap you don't know how you know he's going to make up some time but is he going to make up enough time to catch the leader you know how's it going to work out in the end and it was really exciting to see how that uh how that played out and uh when you when you have that dynamic of two different laps basically two different tracks on the last lap it, it really really makes it interesting to see how it's going to play out daytona was the first track right that they introduced with the irx i believe wasn't it yeah so this is probably the most run-on dirt track in, in in it yeah that's the one they started it all with when they first put the car out i really love these cars though like they are fun to drive i just wish it, i wish there would be more to the series and it was a little bit more easier to get the grips on um and have you know good field racing but it's just it, it doesn't have the attraction anymore all right, we got mailbag. Uh, we got some mail uh, from listener Ors Actamar. Hey, hey, boys, it's me, Ors from Down Under here again. And it's kind of a, a random, uh, a bunch of random stuff he's talked about here. I'm going to go through some of it. Uh, first, he said, hey, we should have a Discord. Actually, we do have a Discord for iRacers Lounge. Dis we we are in it right now. We're in it right now, actually doing video uh for the youtube stream that greg produces youtube but facebook and and uh twitter or twitch we're some of the the team are in there uh, you know monitoring that it, we just don't get any listeners in there so yeah the listeners are invited so come join us uh the next one was I'm literally frothing at the mouth with the Mercedes W12 news. I have a few immediate questions. As you guys discussed, yes, the mandatory tire change of compound during a race should be implemented. 
Also, hopefully we will have the correct DRS zones and detection of being within one second of the car in front for the DRS to be enabled. Yeah, see, he's, these are other things I was thinking about. I didn't get it far into the other uh, week about it, but it, it's it's hard to figure out what, um, you know, there's a lot, if you're going to bring in F1, you're going to have to do a whole bunch of uh, quick, you know, a, a whole bunch of changes to the way that they run their road series um, if they would do this, because, you know, we don't have a safety car or pay or cautions right in the roadside. So if they do have a caution, they'd have to come up with a way of having a safety car. They'd also have to come up with a way to having a virtual safety car, which basically you have to stay within a Delta. So you don't get penalized of going around the track without another car. You just maintain the gap between you and the car in front of you until it goes green again. Um, the DRS zones would be the biggest one to try and get them all right on all the tracks and, um, I think that uh, would be something that they probably would implement first before any of these other things that are suggested here. But uh, it's all, it's, it would basically be try, trying to re redo all the caution systems in the roadside for making up an F1, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, Orr said this about the safety car. He said, another key thing with Formula One is safety cars and virtual safety cars. I'm going that iRacing does this whole F1 thing properly and best they possibly can and give us those safety cars also. At least make it an option in leagues if they think it would just turn into a safety car fest in officials. One solution could be for officials to not have the safety car come out within, say, a minimum of five laps of the previous uh, safety car or something like that. Yeah, because I could see, you know, multiple cars getting a wreck in a corner and they keep bringing the safety car out. It would be not a very fun race, right? So it, it, would, be, it would be, I'm sure if they made it, it might be broken for the first little while until if something was fixed or they adjusted things on it. But um, I would believe that a safety car, and a vir I would see a virtual safety car would happen before an actual safety car would happen. Well, it'd be interesting to see if that's all part of, you know, releasing this uh, Mercedes car. Are they going to do the DRS? Are they going to do any kind of safety car stuff? And it's a big undertaking if they're going to have to do it. But it would be definitely would be. I'm sure you would take capitalize on a lot of the F1 fans that uh, are are just frothing at the mouth to try and uh, get these cars on track in iRacing. All right, next up, we have a story about two new race cars being developed. And I and I think we, we're going to talk about this because, you know, hey, if they're gonna, in real racing, we're going to get them in iRacing, especially if they're with a partner, uh, Delara. Yeah, and this is a, this is a story. I, Mike, have you gone through it too here? Um, I was just reading through it uh, earlier, and so... It looks like BMW and Cadillac are creating an LMDH car, which is, I guess, Le Mans um, hybrid, their new series that they're coming out for 2023, I believe it was, if it was said in here. But they want to use the Delara chassis. So they get to develop their cars with the way the Delara chassis is, um, but they're doing it in secret parts of the Delara compound. So... There was there's passwords to get into certain areas and, and do it's it, they're, they're basically sectioning off portions portions of the building from what I can read here for these companies to work on their car so that the other manufacturer doesn't see what they're doing. I guess there's a total of uh, I think I said I saw it was five in here. There was five different manufacturers 
they were going to make cars, but Delara is making it with these two manufacturers. So <laughs> they get even if they go into the wind tunnel, uh, it was it was funny that you can only enter in one way. They lock it down to do all the testing in the tunnel, and then they're back out. They 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 do never cross paths with the other company that's that's working at this facility. Yeah, there's uh, three groups. Um, there's a group that makes the spine. Uh, and then there's a group that makes the, the Cadillac and there's a group that makes the BMW. And those groups, they, even though they all work for Delara, like you said, they're sequestered, you know, they're, they're kept separate and it's a fascinating article. Uh, but anyway, yeah, hopefully we'll have these, uh, hopefully iRacing's already involved in, in the development of these cars and they've already have preliminary drawings or whatever they need, um, or, or maybe they're just waiting for the final product and they just go scan it. I don't know. I mean, I, this is the first, like, obviously we know that Delara is very famous for making a lot of chassis and stuff like that. And then another manufacturer will go and put their engine in it and use their car. Because um, I believe both IndyCar chassis are, are they not made by Delara? And they're just changed from Honda and Chevy. And yeah, I think that's right. Makes the Haas uh chassis from delara so or delara makes the f1 chassis for haas so you know it's it's quite a facility if they've got this they're able to do this and keep keep people from uh you know leaking secrets i guess all right let's keep moving uh tony tell us about a possible increase in response times well i don't know uh Maybe you guys have already noticed that this happened a couple of days ago. It was just a quick little uh, little update. No downtime or anything like that. It took about half an hour to get done. Nobody probably even noticed. But he did indicate it was a possible increase in response times um, when logging in, registering, or navigating on the website or the UI. So I don't know if I've noticed. Uh, have you guys noticed anything? Or is it? Are you talking about like response times of for what? Like it's how fast it loads you know when you hit when you go to league and you hit league session and you're waiting to click on it i mean that's what i'm talking about i haven't really noticed anything different but then again some of that stuff is dictated on your systems too right yeah that's what i was going to say greg i haven't noticed a difference but i think my my computer kind of bottlenecks that kind of info anyway like the biggest problem i think mike you've had problems with like signal or ping issues of forgetting netcode and races and stuff like that but none of this stuff to make this website any faster seems to be affecting anything for me because i i have ping problems as well so we talked about some new cars that maybe we will get um kyle we got the 2022 nascar schedules for truck and xfinity so that kind of indicates we might get some tracks yeah um looking at the schedule for the truck series here uh, actually, I don't see too many changes to it as far as what the trucks are getting. Uh, I think, uh, did they run Coda last year in trucks? Mm, did they? I don't remember if they were or not. Remember but that's it. definitely a change, I think, if anything. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, we did, they did add Lucas Oil to it for playoffs. Middle Ohio's been added. Oh, did they add Middle Ohio? And did they race Nashville? when the cup were there or was it just the cup that raced nashville that i'm not 100 percent on i can't remember either 
there's been so many changes over the last couple of years. It all kind of blends together now. And then what about Xfinity? Xfinity here. Let me pull it up. While we're waiting, uh, looks like Camping World Truck Series is going to have two separate dirt races, Bristol and Knoxville. Which the- they did this year, and the Knoxville race wasn't that great from entertainment-wise. And it was, that was very- a big discussion point if they were going to go back. Portland, yeah. that's the one. So Portland is one that we don't have in the service, but Xfinity is going to Portland. Which I'm excited for because that's a that's a fun track uh, for the Indy cars. Because that if they add that, so obviously now the you know you got Xfinity there, you can add it to the uh, Indy car schedule as well if they uh, scan it and put in iRacing. So look at the Xfinity though. It looks like they because uh, they didn't race Coda there as well this year. Uh, so they'll be running Coda as well. So all three series looks like they'll be at Coda this year, which would be nice. That was actually a fun race to watch, other than the rain. But I'm really not seeing too many changes to the uh, the schedule sets. Portland and Coda, really. There might be they'll some be, dates changed. They'll be at, uh, back at the launch pad at the Indy Road Course. <laughs> yeah. The launch pad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Force Dynamics, Delara World Championship Round 2. Yeah, guys. So we're kind of covering this like a week behind the 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 world championship race runs like right, right as we're starting our um, recording here. So uh, last week was uh, round two um, and that was at spa and was won by um, Mikhail Castro Castan Castantini. I'm sorry about that. I practiced it before I came on. I still butchered it. So Michelle Castantini uh, takes round two at spa. Um, So, if, uh, if you weren't aware, and I wasn't, but uh, Michelle is uh, actually considered the best open-wheel racer in, in, in the service. Um, last week, he had a terrible finish and wound up uh, finishing 16th at, um, at, in round one at Watkins Glen. So he bounced back this week to take the win, um, which uh, put moved him up in the fourth place in the standings. Uh, last week winners, the first or first week winner was uh, uh, Martin Van Lusenord. He actually still stays in the top spot in the championship points. So uh, uh, the race that is uh, wrapping up a little while ago, and we'll, we'll cover that again next week. That's going to be at the uh, track in Brazil, and uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll keep you up to date. So, you know, I was looking at these cars as you were talking, and. You know, I, I think I'm getting used to seeing a halo, you know, with the IndyCar and F1. I think it's finally wearing on me, you know, and now I see these, and where's the halo, you know? I guess that's not something they needed to design since it's a <laughs> virtual car only. All right, let's get into calendar of events. Uh, this section, Greg, uh, we got the Ben Q Mobius Cup of Nations uh, presented by VCO. All right, the VCO BenQ Mobius Cup of Nations returns on December 5th. To me. I don't have it. Oh, it's at the bottom of the green section. Someone needs fired for that one. Didn't you run this uh, Cup of Nations uh, last year, Greg? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. And this is great podcasting. Hopefully David works us around this. But um, I ran this, yeah, last year um, with the uh, for Team Canada. And... Uh, didn't do too bad. It wasn't. It's very hard to compete for the nation, like all this nation stuff. But uh, so it's returning in December on the fifth or the fifth of December. Um, 
I guess there's going to be some information being sent out for it. Uh, I guess it's the 4th and 5th of December. But this this was always a cool event because uh, they randomized it. But then uh, there was some controversy last year, if I remember correctly. They randomized the tracks, but then started telling people beforehand what tracks and car combos were going to go together and let them practice on it, which made it not randomized, kind of. I thought they were going to just throw us in, and then it's like, okay, go. So the Twitter uh, that they put up, there's a video and below the video if you click it's a doc a google doc link and that's where you can put in your name and email address that you're interested in running uh there looks like they're just collecting your name at this point uh and information and then they'll you know contact you yeah so uh the event's still two months away guys but uh this is really just a reminder to uh to get registered telling you how to register if you go to the twitter page for vco esports um you can uh, follow the links there to get signed up for that i wonder if i should register again this year why not you're not gonna have anything to do december this is true and there's usually very low count in Can the canadian side do it do it do it okay keep moving uh we got the iRacing presents 2021 crandon championship yeah so this is actually a, a special event held by iRacing uh akin to like the 24-hour races and and the big events like this but uh this one's for the pro four trucks and it at is at crandon so uh this event's going to be held between october 11th to the 17th uh, so Crandon is a really cool track. I actually went over uh, teammate Tyler's house and uh, and did this track on his uh, on his rig because I don't have this track in my system and it was a lot of fun. So I highly recommend this race if you like those pro trucks. So uh, Monday through Friday uh, at the time slots at 9 p.m. Eastern time for uh, the super sessions on Saturday. So uh, the time slots for uh, Saturday the first is at 1 p.m. and 9 p.m. for the time slots for the uh, for the super sessions. Um, the license level is a D 4.0 dirt road, and uh, so uh, yeah, hop on it. It's a great track. Um, I, I might even get it. I had so much fun on it when I was at his house trying it out. So uh, check it out. Let me get this correct. You have ten to. $20,000 in your rig and you're not going to spend the 9 to $14 on this track to test it at your own house on your motion rig? You went to someone else's house? I was there to work on the script <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when I was having trouble with my computer and just happened to try it while I was there. <laughs> so this... I encourage everybody to, do, to participate in this, this event. Why? Because I, I don't see a lot of people doing it, and, and you ha your chances of making it to the main event are probably pretty good, you know, and especially if you have a good run. And so dirt racing, you know, it's all about that launch and getting a good start and, man, making that first corner. And, boy, if you do that and just be able to bring it home from there, why not? This is the one where they all line up in a row, right? When they take off. I they they used to have that land rush start, but it was taken out and it hasn't been put back in from what I understand. Oh, I see. But yeah, this was originally that land rush start where everyone lines up in a row um kind of like the start of a um a motocross uh event. But uh 
I guess they were having issues with it, and, and it was never never returned. All right, and then finally, the uh, Tony, the Petit Le Mans starts tomorrow. Yeah, and I guess uh, iRacing Vehicle Production Associates Christian and Tanner want people to come and hang in their live stream and get some setup tips. That was posted on the Twitter. Yeah, that was a couple days ago. That that was a neat opportunity. I, I want to point this out. Whenever they do that, I mean, I mean, if you're working on this set and you're working on going to this race, you know, and you're going to participate, and you need help on how to set up these cars, there's nobody better, you know, that you could interact with than the people that actually work with iRacing that are these vehicle uh, production assistants. I mean, Christian Schaliner. He knows these cars in and out, and uh, and so does Tanner McCullough. You know, we, we used to run Tanner's sets all the time. So the festivities uh, kick off tomorrow, and it looks like they've got four start times, uh, one tomorrow and three on Saturday in that silly, funny time zone. So whatever that is in your guys's, you can figure it out. Minus five. Maybe it's minus 10. Maybe it's plus 25. We'll never know. All right. Next up is a reminder about MassCar. That's that dirt series starting November 8th. Um, you can sign up at mascar2021.wixsite.com backslash league. Housekeeping. Don't forget the website, irisuslounge.com. I actually used the website to search for equipment I was purchasing that we've gone over in the last, you know, six to eight months. And I just went over the end of the website and I, I typed in the search, you know, for pedals. And guess what? Boom. I got a link to all the pedals we talked about, you know, in the last six to eight months. What a resource. This is the whole idea behind the, the, the website, guys, is long-term, it's going to turn into this huge wealth of knowledge. Also, very excited to be on Facebook Podcast now. And so, in the last week and then this week, if you check your Facebook and you're subscribed to our uh, iResource Lounge Facebook page, you will pre be presented a uh, notification uh, called a podcast notification. It's got the little purple icon on it. You click it, and it will literally play the podcast while you scroll Facebook. I'm hoping uh, this will drive our numbers and we get some more listeners this way. Um, but it is a neat opportunity because uh, not all the podcasts have made it to Facebook podcasts, but ours did somehow. And if you're at the uh, website, you can, if you're interested in something we are talking about and wanted to see what we're showing on the screen, you can go to the actual podcast and review it on each on the page as well for the video portion of it. Yep. We're also at the Perform Performance Motorsports Network, NASCAR Fantasy. Well, how about this? I have slowly chipped away at res dogs lead i am now within 20 points of Man. grabbing that first spot and we still have some races left uh talladega well let's roll the dice but uh you know after talladega it's it's it's, it's business time it's time to wrap this up and and, and get this done um, but he's fighting good he's fighting good but those last two races i've been able to kind of slowly chip away at them and now now we're we're in we're in striking distance now this is where i like to be right at about this time Tony, you, you've had pretty impressive season man because i mean you haven't been in that top spot all year 
Um, you've been slowly working your way up and up and up. Every week, it seems like you're climbing up to the ranks. Now you're now you're neck and neck now with the, the leader. So uh, congratulations to you so far, and uh, good luck to you the rest of the season. But it's, it's been pretty impressive how, you, how you've worked your way up through the season there. I was looking at the results for Vegas specifically. And, uh, and, you know, Trick Dickel got first on the week, Smiling Ninja second. Oh, no, sorry, it is Vegas, wasn't it? I'm ahead a week. Yeah, so uh, um, Jedi McFly uh, finished tied for third. So Chris Gales, good job with, with teammate Stephen Llewellyn. Um, I got seventh place, which was pretty good for me. Tony, you were one point behind me uh, to get eighth. And uh, Res Dog finished 12th. So, I mean, you didn't crush him last week, but you're just chipping away, man. That's 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 all it takes. That's all. That's what it's all about, really. Um, especially at this point in time, I've been in this situation before, um, actually with none other than Mr. Scales, and it came down to like the last race, and I believe there was about a 20 point difference um, in that last race, and I was able to, uh, you know, take him down, and that's when he had to to drive the pink car with my mug on it. But uh, <laughs> looking down, Greg, you were 17th. And I was 25th, and then Kyle, 29th. Yeah, I have not touched the fantasy lineup in weeks. I've kind of forgot about it, and then I'm just like, I'm so far deep, I'm not even worried about it. Next year will be the year I get into it deeper. The uh, the funnier thing is, is I have the uh, – anybody that listens to Door Bumper Clear, I think I am right now the uh, um, TJ Majors. Anybody I pick, I jinx. <laughs> they end up having a blown tire or or whatever. But um like looking at this week, you know, you're thinking at Talladega coming up, you're you're thinking, oh, you can put in some of these non-playoff guys that might win. If you look at the history of the playoffs, who wins? Always a playoff driver. There is not there is not a driver in the last like who was the last non-playoff driver to to win a Talladega race in the uh in the playoff <laughs> format. It had to be during the Chase era. Like it's when Reagan Smith won. It's just crazy to think that that's it's you know we're gonna pick all these things, but you end up gonna end up having the Chase guys somehow get through to there, right? All the playoff drivers are gonna get through and get points, and probably someone's gonna steal a win that's actually in that top twelve. So here's the thing to that, Greg. Is yes. Um, you know, your playoff guys are like, they're, they're, um, they're sailing. Like someone's one of those guys is likely to win, but there is also going to be a bunch of them that are very likely going to get wrecked out. So which one are you going to pick? And are you willing to use that, that pick at a Talladega? We still have a lot of races left of all different types. We've got short tracks, um, one and a half milers. We got road courses, um, is and this where the, you want to lay it down? Uh, maybe it's maybe. it's the thing too, right? Like Tony, like that this format this year. Instead of you know you're you're getting through the stages and then you're in the final part, but all the points for most of the end there is, you know, you get the five points for the picking a winner. You get the five points for the manufacturer, all the different manufacturer stuff for ten points or whatever it is. And it's like it's so hard to come up with what's going to happen there um, in it. Because you know, one little thing you can wipe out. You can wipe out all the Toyotas in one, <laughs> one accident or something like that. It's it's so hard to to this year's format. It, um, I'm gonna probably load up on guys that aren't 
in the playoffs just to be safe, but you you could pick anybody and there could be an erect, so it doesn't really matter. You just don't want to waste that one that like you're saying is because you only have five. You don't want to waste the one on maybe Talladega. Right. Like you've got Denny Hamlin, you got Logano. Uh, both those guys are monsters at plate tracks. Um, there, there's other ones in my mind's drawing a blank right now, but uh, you know, Blaney, he's Brad, pretty good. Blaney. Stenhouse. Stenhouse By- isn't Byron's in the playoffs. shown that he's been a better stricter plate racer recently. Right. So, but you know, uh, Hamlin, well, he's, He's just got himself into a hot streak right now. He's he's uh, coming alive in the playoffs. Do you want to use him at uh, Talladega? You know, same with same with Joey. He hasn't hit yet, but he's likely to. Um, you never count that guy out uh, this this deep in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of strong players sitting outside of the playoffs uh, that nobody's touched. And uh, if they wreck, yeah, so what? Maybe you can pick up some points on the. On the back end with some of the uh, with the bonus stuff, you know, picking the manufacturer, the winner, yada yada. But uh, yeah, I, it would be a huge gamble if you're going to start tossing in a lot of big names. But you know what? That gamble might pay off. It sometimes does. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware, software. Well, we're going to talk about my new cockpit build. Um, and I'm going to call it the iRacers Lounge Edition. <laughs> and I actually put up a forum post to kind of document the uh, my journey on this purchase and build uh, with pictures and, and text and that kind of thing. I'm spending a lot of money, and I kind of want to keep track of what I'm doing, and it's kind of a neat way to do it. And so I'm going to read some of these items that I put on the forums on the show here. Now, I've talked about some of these before, but I'm going to go through it. So why? Well, my Obutto revolution. Well, if you're on the video right now, look at my steering wheel as I move it up and down. This is the reason I want a new cockpit because of the up and down on the wheel. Is that like an old 70s Chevy steering wheel over there just moving around? It kind of feels like it, but... <laughs> and and so I'm tired of that. And the, and the seat itself, I can rock back and forth in the seat and the back moves, and that sucks. So that's the goal. Get rid of that. It, it, it served its purpose. And so, as you all know, I was seduced by the sleek lines of the iRacing-branded next-level racing rig. And, I, and that's really what got me going on this. That's what got my juices going. And I'm like, man, I want that. I'm tired of the flex. It's time. This is the one. But after research, I found it had a little bit of flex in the wheel. So I moved on. Started looking at Track Racer 160. Why? Well, I don't know. But I think it was because teammates have bought in their stuff with success. They're U.S.-based. Uh, but again, a little bit of flex in that wheel on their DD1 mount. And... Uh, then I even eyeballed the advanced sim racing rigs because uh, they have those cool colors, the orange and the blue. And and I still was concerned about the flex I was seeing. And, and, and so looking back at the goal of the project and doing the research, I ended up with Sim Labs P1X. And I did the purchase and it's arriving starting tomorrow. Um, I'm using an integrated quad monitor mount. I ended up buying the sim racing computer tray from Advanced Sim Racing because it was kind of beefy. 
I got the blue Alcantara seat. I got the six point red harness, a fourth monitor. I ended up with a 27 inch flat to match my other three. And uh, it's all about the lack of uh, movement in the wheelbase and the, and the chair is what led to my purchases. Uh, the other thing is, I got to figure out the, the monitor, uh, the, the mounts for the pedals. And so um, Marcus Lindsay on the forums had designed something for these pedals before on an 80-20 rig. And so I finally did hear from him and he just told me he just used 12 inch uh, pieces basically to form uh, a, a rectangle. Um, that he just bought from McMaster uh, car. And so I did the same thing. I put it in an order for McMaster car. Um, and I got the pieces today actually that I need to build for the pedals. So that's gonna be a custom piece I'm bolting onto the Sim Labs. I'm adding big five inch uh, casters. That's Tony's idea, uh, Tony Rochette, uh, to get the, get it up off the ground uh, more, uh, be able to move it around. I'm putting the computer on the rig, so all the cabling, everything is gonna be self-contained. And so it's gonna make it easy to like, you know, shift it to one side of the room and clean the floor, that kind of thing. Now, I'm gonna stop here and ask you guys, I, I've spent a lot of time in the chat bugging my team about what I should pick to buy. And the seat was the key thing. And I was everywhere with the seat, wasn't I? It was a new one every day. Well, I, I wanted the Max Pappas one, but they, they, you know, it's not for sale. It never will be, apparently, who knows. But I ended up with that blue Alcantara with the uh, marbled back. And uh, it sure looks comfortable. And, and uh, that's what I'm going for. I have the NRG seat on my rig and it's not the blue one, but you know, it's a black one and it's, it is very comfortable. And I didn't cheap out on the belts. I got like $200 belts. I'm crazy. The six uh, point harness and yeah, but it, I want to be pinned into the seat, man. I'm, I'm tired of flopping around like a fish. That's something else I do when I race. I arc my back and my butt lips, uh, butt lifts up off the seat. Um, I find myself doing crazy stuff like that. Tony needs to get that one on record. It's going on record. Uh, what else? So, you know, the other thing I did was I got the, some pieces today. I got the big master order and, uh, I realized that the corner blocks or the little, they're little corner gussets, I guess they're called. And you're supposed to pop off the tabs that fit into the little channel tray when you, when you hook them, you know, a perpendicular to one where it doesn't fit into the channel. And, and I saw in the videos, they just, oh, take your, your screwdriver under the little tab and just break it off. Well, I cheaped out and bought these from Amazon instead of McMaster because of the price. And they're like plastic and they don't break off like the metal ones do. And so now I'm like, oh, I've already ran into my first hurdle. So I'm either gonna grind those off or I'm gonna have to, I'll swap them out with the ones that come with the Sim Labs and or something like that to complete that part of the project. But it's fun, it's exciting. I got pieces arriving. I got the, the 27 inch monitor today. I got the stuff for the brakes today. And then a bunch of it is coming tomorrow, including the seat and the, the sim labs. Hey, Mike, I, I had that same issue with the corner gussets with the tabs. 
and uh, I grinded them with a bench grinder. I just ground off the tabs so I could put it perpendicular. I guess I'll be buying a bench grinder. I don't even have one. <laughs> Do you know anybody that does? Well, that's a, I have a Dremel, and so I was thinking about Dremeling it off. You said they're plastic? Yeah, it's like a hard plastic. You might get away with just a pair of side cutters chop off. Tin snips? Like a bigger, like, sheet metal shears? I think it's harder than that. Sheet I don't know. We'll see. Pretty, pretty solid. So I took the Saturday off just to kind of organize and start the build. Um, so I took a day off. We'll see how it goes. I, this time next week is my go. I, I hope I'm in my cockpit with a, a road course next week. I'm not really worried about uh, points. You know, maybe I can get a, fit, a, a, a start in before the end of the week, um, but I'm not really worried about it. I'll raise for you, Mike. I'm, I'm fully expecting to get stuff put together and then realize I don't have a, a, a particular piece or something and I'll have to order something else. And But I really feel like I have purchased everything I need to purchase except for the button box. And that's I'm going to wait on that. But that's the only thing left. I mean, everything else has been purchased. I can't believe how much money I've spent. Are you... You're obviously going to keep your other rig together until you got this one mostly together where you have to swap stuff to it, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll keep it together as long as possible because I still need to use the computer on a daily basis uh, for the show. And so, yeah, at some point I'll swap it over. I, I, it also led me to think about what am I going to do with the Obutto Revolution with triple monitor mount and seat? And I was telling my wife, uh, well, if she sells it on you know Facebook Marketplace and handles the sale, she can keep the money. Um, and so I offered her to do that. She took some pictures. But if there's any listeners out there who want it, and I ain't shipping nothing, you would have to come get it. Uh, let me know, and uh, we'll put you on in touch with my wife. Mike's in Arizona, by the way. Scales will come down for that, money. I offered it to Scales for free. Now, now he hasn't taken me up on that, but I was like, road trip, Chris, come on, road trip. Well, you if you wait hold to, it, go ahead. If you hold it till Phoenix next year, Mike, you can. We can. We're all gonna come and go to the championship race next year at your house, right? I don't have the storage for it. It's got to go. <laughs> it I was is. Say, if you hold it till January, I'll come get it when I'm in Vegas. If Chris is you see this flex, board. you see the flex, right? You don't want this flex. I don't know. I, I feel bad if I give it to a listener. I really do. I want to sell it to a stranger. I was going to take it for scrap. I mean, if you were a welder, you could, you know, put some, you could weld some bars onto this base, I'm sure, and stabilize it. So does this mean that, um, Mike gets made fun of for spending money now instead of me. Oh no, you're still the original. Well, I want to, I want to say another point. So Bobby Jonas has been great. I mean, I've been hitting him up directly with stupid questions about the build. Um, and, and he's been really good about entertaining my questions. So thank you, Bobby. And, and, you know, and getting me started on the project, but working with Bobby, I had a budget, you know, we had, you know, what each piece was priced and we had a list and, Man, I'm over budget. I can't believe how over budget I am. Because I didn't consider the pieces for the brake initially. I don't know why I didn't think about that. But that was a lot more than I thought it would be. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just didn't consider, you know, shipping. And I didn't consider tax. And I didn't consider. In fact, uh, today when uh, I got an email from UPS said, I need to pay them $54 in import fees. Well, it's what part imported? 
something from SimLabs. Why? Well, and I, you know, I was surprised by that because when I bought the stuff from Grid Engineering, there really was no information about anything about shipping. Um, I just assumed it was included and and the price I paid. But yeah, I had to pay UPS fifty four bucks, or they weren't going to give me my boxes. I guess. Yeah, Could UPS is good for jacking you up at the door with that. Could be a lot worse though. Fifty four so, isn't bad for what you got. That tax that goes to Canada because I'm buying from Canada. Uh, do they? I guess it would be duty back and forth, would it not? I would say. So. I know we get we get hammered coming across. But the budget, you know, I think initially I showed you guys a number. It was like a little, like twenty nine hundred was what it was. I had spent, and now I'm at thirty three, maybe. Thirty-three hundred. Like, you saying over budget isn't anything surprising with any project. You know, people fix cars up for for, and they go for a budget, and then it always goes over. Anything you you set out to think it's going to cost, there's always more to it. Think right, the seat order. The seat order alone was six hundred something dollars. So I mean, the seat, and then the slider, and then uh, the belts, the two hundred dollar belts. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do what you do, Mike. And you, like, obviously, you've had a rig before, so you've been piecing that together for over the years. And you haven't seen this cost because it's one by one by one. But when you go out and fully purchase everything else, there it is, right in front of your face. Yeah, I just did it. I mean, and the hardest, the biggest thing about the project is that making that initial decision. Yes, I'm going to sit down and buy this stuff, whether my wife likes it or not. I mean, Brian just goes ahead and just says, "I got anything we see in our list here." He just goes and buys, just click, click, buys, buy, but then goes, but won't buy a track and goes over to someone else's house to test it. But the thing is, is this rig is setting me up for the future. I mean, and I don't want to cheap out. You know, I want to buy the best of each component I can buy. And that's basically what this project is. I bought the best freaking seat I could find that I like. You know, I bought the best cockpit I could find. I bought the, you know, all this fancy stuff I'm adding to it. I'll probably get that $600 button box from France that I like too. I mean, I've been eyeballing that too. I don't know if you need to spend that kind of cash on a, on a button box. I think, eh, you know what, it's your money, so you can do it. Well, I might do that Derek Spears dash. I, I, I kind of wait and see how it looks, uh, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with the buttons. I, I really like the, uh, the one I was looking at last week where it attaches to the base and goes down uh, on one side. That one would probably be a good compromise. All right, let's move on to regular hardware news. Kyle. Well, it looks like here Barry Rowan has released uh, his review of the Advanced Sim Racing ASR1 Profile Cockpit. Uh, it's an 8020 rig, uh, really beautiful. Uh, I will say 8020, I think, is you know, most of them are beautiful and amazing to use. I am actually intimidated by just even trying to purchase one just for the mere fact of the way you get to put them together. But this one looks pretty simple to put together. He has a pretty detailed step-by-step -step instructions on how this whole kit goes together. This is their entry level model. I think I, I share, I, I don't know if anybody else has had that feeling, but I think I share the same feeling Kyle does uh, with it as well. Like I would love to have an 8020 rig. It's just, you know, I, I think Mike, you did the best thing. Bobby has done a lot of research and he's the best to go to on our team with the, some of the information that's come from it. Um, and, you know, he, he's been helping you out. That's where 
I just don't even know where to start some of the times unless you buy, you know, once you've started purchasing some of this stuff. But this is a nice rig setup that he's got here that they're just basic one he's showing. 400 bucks. And see, I would have loved to have gotten something like this when I bought mine, but I want the next level because it's an easy kit that, you know, it's so self-explanatory and, you know, it's it's a one of a kind of its own. It's not like you can make different variations of this rig where this one here, the 8020, there's so many variations. It, like I said, it's just intimidating to me. Yeah, I, I can understand that, but man, once you, once you get the hang of it, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And I mean, I've added like bunch of different, like just oddball things that I wanted to add to my rig. And it's always so easy to do with 8020 to attach stuff to it. Um, to me, it's, it's the most, by far the most adaptable most customizable type of system you can get from what from what we've seen so this particular one um advanced sim racing asr1 the difference between this and the asr6 which is their flagship one that's the one i was considering um is the base uh, is you know, this one's just a, a single piece of 4040. Um, the base on the bigger ones are like 40 by 160. You know, they have four layers deep. Um, and, and it just makes it that much more sturdier. The connectors on the uprights for the uh, wheelbase down to the bottom are, are just simple, you know, corner gussets on this build because it's an economy build. But like if you move to the ASR6, they have a big old plate as well. And there's all this extra stability uh, as you spend more money on these rigs. So there's so many different variations. You can get a cheaper one, but it's still good. And so when so earlier today, I actually watched part two of this uh, video series of that Barry did. I haven't posted it on the script yet, but in part two, he actually tests this rig, and I was just, I was actually fairly surprised by the lack of uh, movement in the wheel, which is the corner gussets on the uprights. It actually does very very well considering um it almost makes me feel like maybe i overpaid you know with my thousand dollar sim lab compared to this four hundred dollar one yeah and that's that's how barry does these reviews he does like two parts part one is the just the build of the actual uh profile system and then part two he adds all the components and tests it out um, I haven't seen part two, but I was thinking about that, Mike, before you had mentioned it, you know, to see how this holds up once he gets, uh, once he gets all the components on there, how solid is it? You know, it's, what kind of wheel, do you know what wheel he used on it? Was it, was it a, it was a semi cube and yeah. And he, he was surprised actually, um, how well it did considering. Yeah. And that's, that's a cool thing about, uh, these 80, 20 rigs is, you don't have to get the highest highest end to get a solid product. You know, you can, you, you know, assuming that the aluminum profile is of decent quality and not real cheap quality, it, it's still pretty solid, even if it's not super beefy, like the one you got. Look, I spent a lot of time on boosted media's channel, his YouTube channel, a wheel over there. And he, he's touched all these and he's gotten on the wheel and he's cranked it hard with his moving it around. And I'm telling you, there's not a lot of difference between these rigs. I mean, it's very minute, the amount of movement, 
but the sim labs in my opinion has the least out of all of them and i've i've seen them and and you can just see it visually but again it's it's not much i mean to most people they might even might not even tell but you know i'm trying to get it for it's perfect and i you know sim labs is the tried and true so that's why i picked it yeah and and one more thing to consider on that is uh you know these these reviews are just are uh, put together and 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 used within a short period of time you know the, do the systems like this that are not as beefy how long do they hold up strength wise over a longer period of time with repetitive 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 use right do the screws back out or something right I love advanced sim racing because of their colors too because if you buy their ASR6 man you have those cool colors I was very tempted by them. They were, that was almost, I almost bought it. I almost did. How about this one, Brian? The Pimax 8K. Yeah, so this is uh, from Carl Gosling. He uh, posted on his YouTube channel a video review of the Pimax XKX um, um, head, virtual reality headset. So, um, if, if you're not aware, Pimax is like the leader by miles in vr as far as field of view it's not even close you know their their field of view when you have these on is is way better than anything you get in in any other mask so if field of view is the king for what you want you know you might want to look at this pimax 8kx um the drawbacks are they haven't perfected the um the peripheral vision of those wide field of view as far as clarity the vision as you get away from the center of your view becomes more and more distorted the further away from the center of your view you get so that is a drawback of one of these uh pimax units and uh this 8kx also has that a couple other issues that he had mentioned was um now his face uh the the allowed a lot of light bleeding into the unit so a lot of light was escaping into it and that's and that for me is a killer as far as immersion now that can be you know head shape is is very subjective one person's uh facial design is not exactly the same as everybody else's so it could have been an issue like that so um so that's one thing to consider uh, the other thing that uh he uh, mentioned that was a really really a, a tough hurdle to overcome is he he says that if you use this thing at full resolution in order to get the uh, native resolution out of it you know the full um, the full hertz for the refresh and all that stuff he says you have to and not recommends you have to have a 3090 card to get the full resolution there's no other it, it will not get full resolution full full native resolution on anything less than a 3090 card so you got to have a beefy beefy system to run this at its high end and then price wise you're talking about $1300 for one of these units that's without base stations if you don't have base stations already you know for the uh, cameras to face to you so um, you're probably pushing $2000 for a complete unit if you need those base stations um, so, and then how much is a 3090 to go with it? Thousand dollar card, right? So yeah, so that's more so, expensive than the actual. Exactly. So, um, and then and then he said, even when you do have it set up as best you can, the the clarity in the center part of the screen that it's it's best is still a little bit below uh, the HP Reverb G2 and the um, and some of the other better systems. So. 
if uh, my uh, my review of this would be my uh, my takeout from this would be if field of view is your number one concern, this is might be the headset you want to look into. If it's clarity uh, and uh, price, there's better options. He was really critical of the fit and uh, how it the phys, uh, physical part of it, how it felt on his head. Uh, it didn't fit right. You know, he let light in, like you said. Um, he, he he was pretty critical of that. He did say that it fit fairly well on his wife, um, and she didn't have the problems that he was having. But he was having significant fit issues. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned that a couple of times. He mentioned how how wobbly this i'll call it wobbly you know if uh if you have it on if he turns his head sharply left or right the whole thing shakes on his head um and it's, that's not a fit issue it's just the uh connection points i think we're not super strong and uh, so yeah so it's a pimax uh again they're they're the field of view kings um but there are other things to consider and um if that's not your number one concern, then that's probably not the one for you. This is basically not for the general consumer. It's, you know, you got to be maxed out on everything. Yeah. And, and the, the uh, blurring on the peripheral vision the, is irregardless of your system too. So a high end system does not clean that up. It's just, it's just the nature of stretching that set, stretching that screen to such those wide extremes. You know, it makes me think like, would there be a way for, you know, like iRacing can render 5760 by 1080, which is triples. So why can't we just render a certain resolution for these, for this particular iSet? Is it maybe just because the hardware doesn't allow it to do it? Is just that something in that, the way that system works compared to everything else? That's what, that would be my guess is that, um, that would just be such a such a consumption of 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 your video card that you can't can't perform that way. Let's move on. P one sim a rouge wheel. Yeah. So um, sim solutions design posted on their Instagram page uh, a picture of their uh, e rouge wheel, which is like an F one style rim. Um, it's it's basically a, it's a pretty nice um, F1 style rim. That's got a, it's got a head or a display in the front of it here. Um, it's got a bunch of uh, toggle knob or knobs, and it, 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 it's plain with all its black buttons. But the the rotary knobs are all there. Um, trying to see, um, it's even got dual some clutch or as well, right? dual paddles. Yeah, it's paddles and stuff. It's basically. I, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to put it down or anything the way it looks. It looks like a, it's a really nice looking rim. It's just, you know, we've seen this done with a lot of, a lot of the companies now. And I don't know, does it, you know, these, this price tags of almost a thousand dollars for a rim. It, it's quite, uh, quite expensive for it. I, but I do like the way it looks. Uh, I just don't think I would <laughs> be paying that for a rim. It's got the look to be of a real race car rim. Um, a road car from Europe kind of look. Um, nothing fancy. The team built it. It's a lot of carbon fiber, but real quality parts. Which is nice because, you know, um, 
when you're racing with some of these rims and stuff, you know, how much of it do you, you most of the aesthetics don't really matter. It's, it's functionality, right? We all go for the functionality. We want looks, but you know, when I'm in VR, I don't even know what my, my rims look like. I just know where the buttons are. Right. Which makes the display on the, on the wheel kind of silly, but, uh, it's a nice 4.3 LCD screen though. So it's, you know, you can get the information. I'm, I'm guessing I don't have any details here on, uh, what, uh, what program well, runs in it. Well, but after, you know, Fanatec's, you know, Bentley wheel where the freaking display rotates as you rotate the wheel, I mean, come on, these things are, are second old news by now. Problem is, is that one hasn't had a price tag put on it yet, and everyone's speculating what the price tag might be, but we have yet to see if it's going to be anything realistic for the general consumer. When you got to start throwing gyro stuff in the, in that like it has in that, it would be it starts jacking the price up in that one. This one is basically the same type of rim on the market. Basically, Fanatec's gone a little bit above what it is, and these are like the what we've been accustomed to the last little while, right? Yeah. So this is SimSolutionsDesigns.com. They have a bunch of different wheels on their shop. Uh, this is their newest one, um, apparently. But uh, yeah, know check where this them out. out of. I haven't figured that out yet. It's showing. It looks like it's showing in American dollars, but I could be wrong on that. Oh, here it is, located in Easton, Pennsylvania. Oh, well, that's not too bad. That's that. That's near <laughs> Brian. At least we got where Brian is near this time. Yeah. So they. I see wheels. Uh, they also sell next level racing track racer wheels, pedals, racing seats, monitors. They have a category here for everything. Let's keep moving. Uh, the next one is Carvengo's Pedals. After three years and a thousand hours of development, Carvengo's is ready to offer their new load cell pedal system. And so uh, they put up pictures on Instagram uh, of these load cell pedals. Uh, I like the looks of them, uh, a real soft, shiny uh, metal. Uh, remind me of Heiskenveld, the look of those, but on a, uh, a black uh, plate, uh, you know, mounting plate with a um, kind of a vinyl uh, heel uh, pad on there. I love, I like the idea of the heel pad, you know, have some little bit of cushioning there instead of just bare metal. Uh, I think that's a neat look. Yeah, I uh, I like that pad too. Um, matter of fact, I have the the V three inverted pedals, and um, I put a I put a cushion like a one of those rubber mats, like you would get for like a, a weight room or something like that, and just cut a little section of it for my heel because it was it would be sore sitting on that aluminum all the time, and uh, it's good to see a, another company has thought about something like that for for guys who don't race in shoes like I do. I you know I race in socks, and uh, it's not comfortable after a long time, especially road racing. If you go down, there's another Instagram video where they show uh, an unboxing and how it's assembled and everything is connected. Um, always good to see new products coming out from different companies, new companies. Uh, this is new as far as I know. The website is Caravan Goes. I went some digging to, to find a, the price tag on these things. These are like, these are load sale now. Don't normally see a load cell on an accelerator and the clutch. 
my knowledge. Um, so I found that kind of different, but these things are like 1200 bucks. Whoa, I didn't see that. Yeah, you got to dig a little deeper to find that out. But yeah, they're they're pretty expensive for load cell. They have a good look to them. I I, I can I, I'll give them that. I don't know if they're worth that much. Well, yes, they have a good look and they are made for the, the quality of material that is used is quite high. So that's where the uh, the price is coming from. But still, yeah, it's 1200 bucks for a load cell. Now, this next one, Luso Motors, when I first saw this, I'm like, I haven't seen this before. This is a new design. And you think we've seen every design there could be, but not this one, Tony. Yeah. It, the first thing that comes to mind is like a spider. But this is another one of those uh, supposed to be like convertible type setups where you can go from, you know, like F1 seating to, to GT, depending on, you know, what your preference is. The way I describe this is the uprights in the middle for the wheelbase are dead center of the rig. And then coming out each direction from that equidistant is, uh, you know, the part for the, the seat and the part for the pedals. And so it's got this look of you know a pivot in the middle and then two pieces off each side yeah now these pieces are are put together by like these are some huge beefy gusset plates um like that thing's not gonna move uh this seat bracket that they put on this thing um is kind of unique and the picture that we're looking at looks like the it's the f1 setup and i just like how that seat kind of just the way it looks it's it's just sunk right down into the into the rig now we've talked about this company luso motors before because of the seats and that's how they started their business that they were just selling seats and now he's selling a cockpit for the first time so yeah, how about sorry jenny good no no you go right ahead i was just gonna say that's the first thing i saw when i looked up this company it's just they have tons and tons of racing seats and uh it was actually a little tough finding anything similar yeah this is a, a new offering for him um i don't even know if he's selling it yet it, it says first images of the sim rig prototype so it's a prototype that he's working on and uh a neat design yeah i i really like the looks of this one um i was oh there it is i was just scrolling through the pictures that they have on instagram hoping to see uh the gt setup and well, I thought it would, you know, morph and change a little bit. And well, with it being a, like an 80-20 setup, you can, but it doesn't look like that. It, it just swapped out the seats. And they just changed that. seats. Yeah. A little anticlimactic, but it's it's neat. It's different. Um, it, I'd be really interested to, to learn some more about this rig, uh, sturdiness and um, and such. Now, in the interest of time, we're going to skip ahead to one more hardware. Uh, Greg, a quick hit. The Best Buy GPU restock is rumored for the NVIDIA RTX 30 series tomorrow. Yeah, we uh, this this is what the second time we've gotten this one type of thing where they re, they're going to rumor restocking uh, most of the Best Buys in the States. Uh, or state-wise, I guess. Um, 
for uh, U.S. citizens. They're going to stock them up tomorrow, apparently. Um, not sure how true it was. It was a rumor with the article here. Um, but uh, maybe I'm sure we'll see pictures probably by Saturday of the lineups out for us side of the Best Buys to get these cards. I want to see the pictures of the black eyes of people fighting for these things. Black Friday style. Well, right. that's the thing. Like, we we're what a month away a little over a month away from black friday for all some of this stuff and it's going to be you know what is going to be the electronics uh market at that time i mean we're already behind in a lot of stuff nowadays Keep moving. We're going to go over results. The NASCAR iRacing Series finish up Vegas Friday open. I got a P10. I was minorly involved in an early wreck, but very little damage. I had another deal where out of four, I came up into a guy. Actually, man, I feel bad about that. I, I didn't mean to do that. Um, and then green flag stops. Uh, caution came 13 later, and so I ended up cycling to the lead. I couldn't hold it, though, and I fell back. Uh, uh, another green flag run later, I made it back to the top 10. Hey, I'll take it after a horrible, horrible week in uh, Vegas. Uh, yeah, I'll take that P10. Uh, David Hall wrecked. Uh, a car starts blinking and then turned up and just puts me in the wall. That's five bad NIS outings in a row now. And then Greg, you got killed. Yeah, I got in a wreck. Uh, there was a wreck just coming off the corner and I had nowhere to go. It was just awful. Just they all cleared up into it and it's just you can't really do anything at that point. So it's, you know, it is what it is. It's part of racing. All right, Sunday open, Tony Rochette, P8, back from a nice vacation in the wilderness, ran wrong steering ratio and absolutely sucked in turning. Also for giggles, ran HDR and VR, and that sun over the front stretch almost wrecked a couple of times. David Hall, P20, only caution was lap one. Late in the first run, I got myself loose and had to go through the grass to prevent a major accident that caused me to lose the draft and then long run speed just didn't seem to be there from this time. At least the, wreck, the wrecked out streak is over, P20. Tom Dryling is back with us racing, P6. Uh, still getting into the swing of things, one caution after green flag stops, I'll take a top 10. That was after he's back because he finally got his wheel fixed, right? He just got it back from Fanatec. Yeah, something like that. He's got a, he had a repair, and or he's waiting for a wheel, and he got it, but he got a wheel that works, something like that. Because he also is waiting for the new DD, right, from Fanatec. All right, Sunday fixed. Uh, Tyler and I ran. I wrecked out. I didn't put any information. Uh, I don't even remember what happened. It was early. Uh, Tyler, uh, he said, P idiot. Apparently the engine blows up if you go from third to second. DNF as I grenaded myself while getting the wave around under caution. On to Dega. So not only did he blow the engine, but he did it under caution. I, uh, I talked to Tyler earlier today and he's still mad about that. It's funny. <laughs> I'm just happy that I'm not the only one who has done that on this team. 
Yeah, I asked him if it was a hardware issue, if something went wrong. He said, no, I just went the wrong way. It's like, okay. That's, that's how I did it. I went the wrong way just for a second. That's all it takes. Okay, here we go. Talladega wins the open. P7 for David Hall. Recovered after an unlucky restart where another guy that started at the front seemed to want to drop back. Caught me out three wide, I just had to fall to the back. But even with no di nose damage on the green flag stop, I managed to climb back up to seventh with a small pack that worked well together. Okay, I'm gonna throw it to you, Kyle. Uh, you tell us about your race, P1, congratulations. Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, so um, I did it. I got my very first NIS win last night. Uh, you want to talk about excited? I feel like I was actually at Talladega, winning Talladega. Uh, so started out here on, in 12th. Uh, didn't have a very good qualifying, but as everybody knows, Talladega, Daytona, it's a crapshoot. So you can start in the back and work your way to the front pretty easily. Um, and just slowly work my way through the field. Uh, ran top 10 all night. And once we started getting down to the end, I decided to push a little harder. Final restart was with two to go. It wasn't an actual green-white checker. So we still had three more attempts if it failed. Thank goodness it didn't. Um, and I was sitting third and knew I had to get the jump on second. Did that and just hung on the back bumper of first until one to go. Coming out of turn two, I backed off for a second and caught a big draft and had third on my bumper and got pushed in, <clears throat> into three with the lead and had to defend had to defend out of four and won the race by 0 0.018 of a second. Uh, my first ever NIS win feels like I won the real race. I didn't realize it was your first NIS win. I thought you had won before in the series, but mm -hmm. I, I was kind of surprised by that. But man, a long time coming though. Oh, I tell you what. Uh, so our old teammate, uh, AJ, he actually set the bar for me on his first outing out in NIS. He got that win and I knew I had to get there. So, I mean, every time I race NIS, that is my goal is to get that win. And I finally did it. The floodgates have opened, right? That's right. <laughs> now I'm ready for more. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and then congratulations to me. I got my P1. I got a win last night, too. Uh, let me read what I put here. We come into this race not really knowing what we have set-wise or don't have, uh, and no practice at all. So it was single-file goodness the whole way through with literally no racing. It was just like the Coke race. It was crazy. The outcome of the race was in, ended up based on fuel mileage. Um, Tom Dryling and I were uh, one short going into the final stop, uh, even though Tony Rochette had one more than us. And so the three of us were working together. We're lined up. We're coming in for our final green flag stop. Uh, Tony's going to pit with us, even though he can go another lap. <clears throat> and I, I came in just fine, but boy rochette he just cooked it in there and uh, they totally blew it tom followed him in there they ended up uh, speeding on pit road and all that so i came out of pit road on my own uh, i had a good getaway and i got in front of a couple of other cars uh, we pulled out as a pair uh, <clears throat> uh, we pulled out and then there was a pair that had pitted prior and they came blowing by so i slotted into third following the, them now they had pitted before us and so i knew they couldn't make it and i knew i could if i saved fuel so i ran third that whole run running 70 80 percent throttle about four to go they peel off 
and, uh, and I was lucky at that point to catch a lap car at the same moment and I got up behind him and kept him in front of me uh, I don't think if I had done that I would have had enough gas um, and, and that really saved my my ass so to speak but I pushed that lap car for the rest of the race uh, to the checker. Uh, there was a guy behind me that was running second that had enough fuel as well that was saving. He had help from a lapper uh, on the one to go. You know, they tried to get around me. Um, they didn't, they couldn't do it. Uh, the track position paid off um, and I won the freaking race. Um, I ran out of fuel on the back stretch after the checker and I got a, credit Joel real timing for my fuel strategy I would not be able to manage this without Joel real timing there is no way because you can look at those numbers every lap and see if you're going to make it or you're not making it do I need to save more which way am I trending at one point when those two guys pulled off and I was behind the lapper I was wasting more fuel than I should have and it kept me in check um, and so I guarantee you, there's no way I could have done it without that tool. But uh, hey, I'll, you know, a win is a win is a win. I'll take the freaking win. It's the fourth win of my year. A uh, year I've run both Talladegas, Richmond, and the Southern 500. 77th career win. I couldn't even do donuts because I didn't have any gas. But uh, I'll take it any way I can, especially this week when the racing is just garbage out there. It's just garbage. Okay, uh, Greg, how about your race? Uh, <laughs> one of those uh, ones I want to forget. I don't know if you guys noticed, I kind of just left team speak and went on my own because I was pissed off. Uh, I was started P5, I was running up front the whole race until the pit stops, and I don't know why I did this, but some I'm gonna I'm gonna say moron just because I want to because dictated. Uh, instead of running the fuel completely out in the run, they decided to, we had a, uh, an eight or nine car breakaway and the fourth or fifth guy in the thing wanted his strategy to be played through. So he was able to convince everybody in the line to do his strategy. And I kind of had to go with it, which I didn't want to, because if I would have just got, I wouldn't have, I would have been out by myself and was up like two or three seconds. And then I would have been into the other pack. Um, but we all came down pit road together and this guy, blows pit road then almost runs me over which i was watching in my mirror and i was trying to avoid not getting hit and i ended up speeding down pit road and this guy he went through the grass and everything and he it was kind of just a whole crap show show and then we got back up racing again after you because you get a 40 second pit stop i was able to get my lap back with a caution and as soon as we got going, I was trying to find my way through the, no one wanted to work together or go anything. And then as soon as I start moving out, that's when somebody up in the front pushes and hooks a guy into the wall and right where I ended up going. And that's how my race ended. And Mike, you'll, 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 you'll like this one because what pissed me off even worse is the car that I came down into with no control was your favorite enemy in racing right now who likes to make comments about us uh, happened to be the guy that I had no control of hitting, but obviously it was the guy I got. Whoops. So, Rick Ware. It is what it is. Rick Ware Racing. Right? Carlo, Carlo. <laughs> Supposed to be the Rick Ware of iRacing? Supposed to be racing? 
Okay, Tony Rochette, P14. I rochetted pit road. Tom Dryling followed me. Don't follow me. I wasn't watching my speed entering, and I brake too late. And uh, I don't know where uh, Tom finished, but yeah, he had a bad finish because uh, of that incident. Thursday open, Tony Rochette, P7. Missed a few good wrecks, but got a little right front damage. It hindered me a bit on the long last run. All right, let's move on to official Chris Scales, P1 in A Open. Got a win racing a late night, early morning practice race Sunday night for Monday's race. I was a three car in a single split race. Normally there's a Rachel Hunt or some other alien in there to ruin my day, but I caught them sleeping and snuck one in. Well done, Chris. Let's switch to league and hosted fast track sim racing league. David P4, he said fourth place speed. Greg? Uh, we, that was my P2 in that. And um, I don't know, Mike, you, you were out early in that, were you not in that race? Yeah, I wrecked out in the first caution and walked away. I had the fastest 15 lap car, I would call it. I could 15 laps, I would pull away. I think I pulled a two and a half second lead on the field, which I had not done all week um, at Vegas. And I just, it, it kept roasting the tires and I knew it was going to do it. I just didn't know how the race was going to go. And I wanted to try something different from everybody. So I lowered the back end down to where it was touching the track bars almost. And the straight line speed was good. The long run speed was okay. Um, there was just one guy better in the room and I finished second to him. I made the race interesting at the end after he had like a five second lead on me. I came out of the pit stops and I ran him down for to, to get it to within his back bumper. And then just on the long run, he ended up pulling away again. I don't remember what it finished up at, but um, I think we went 122 laps at the end there, green flag run. Yeah, I was wrecked in the first caution. A guy uh, got loose yeah, trying to caught. hold it down. Uh, Adam was involved. Uh, Adam, our teammate, I was involved, and Tony Rochette was involved. And so uh, I don't know where Steven finished, if he was in that wreck or not. Uh, Chris Scales, he got a P6. He said, great clean race other than the early caution. I tried hard to run down Jeff Marble for a top five. I ran him down on old tires, but I couldn't get around him. I was just happy to be able to run him down. He blew my doors off on the second stint. I sucked in the mid area of the race. It was a blast getting to race with my teammates. Huge thanks to Jeff for letting me drop in on the chase. Also, I didn't wreck Rochette this time win. Ryan, how about OBRL Arca? Sorry, Greg, are you gonna say something? I was just gonna say Chris Scales coming in and joining us there uh, for, for the fast track race lot the other night. Uh, he did really well um, in that race to start off with. He looked like he, he uh, I mean, we all know he looks like he belongs. You know, at least he looked like he, there was no rust or anything to race with those guys. He competed and he did really well. Yeah, we're just uh, we're all set up for Talladega come Monday, right? Because I think we are going to try the outside, right? Well, are we got enough? I, I gotta I gotta get a good finish so that the roval either doesn't mean anything to me or whatever. I can just go on and do what I want at the roval, but for, to move on to the next round. But I put myself with a P two after the first race in good position to move on to the final, uh, the fast eight is whatever they call it. Well, I, we have enough teammates in the race. I, I hope we can make something happen, so we'll see. 
All right, OBRL ARCA. Uh, yeah, so it was at Nashville Super Speedway. I got a P24 because uh, when I was driving, uh, the menu popped up on my VR in front of my face. I couldn't see for a couple of seconds, hit the wall. So, um, but it was going to be a really interesting race. Um, it was 100 laps. I did a fuel run before the race started in practice and I got like 50 laps on the nose and my right front tire was at zero. So I decided to do a two stop, you know, a 33 lap uh, pit, pit run. The whole, the whole race stayed green the whole way. And when uh, I had that issue, some of the guys made it a one stop. Um, and I got to give a uh, kudos to Steve, Steve Thompson and um, Dwayne uh, MacArthur. I mean, sorry, Dwayne MacArthur. Yeah. And, um, because those guys did one stop. They they actually had like a bunch of laps left at the end of the race. I don't know how they saved all that fuel, still ran fast, and didn't burn their tires off. It's it's just, um, I don't know how they do it, but uh, they're really good. That's all I can say. All right, and then uh, OBRL, the truck series, the Aftermath truck series. It was Andrew Hess, Dwayne MacArthur, and Al Turner in the top three. And then Brian, tell us about your race. Yeah, I was um, I was in the top about eighth place with one lap to go. We were it went three wide coming out of three, out of turn four with one lap to go. I was in the middle, and I I slid up a little bit when I watched the replay. I, I you could see that I, I slid up a little bit and got into the uh, left rear corner of the car on the outside lane, and I turned them. So uh, I didn't think I did, but when I watched the replay, it did. Um, there was a little net code involved because uh, you know there was a about a foot between our two cars when that happened so i mean i don't know if the net code uh, caused it or if it was going to happen either way but i might have messed that one up for some people so i apologize for that wound up with a p22 Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Gridfinder. The home of online sim racing leagues. All right. Let's get into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Um, I want to talk about uh, real quick the netcode. I've been hearing so much about that in chats, people racing, saying oh, netcode, netcode, netcode. I've I've heard it in our, our in our group. Uh, people have been having issues. It's, for some reason, it seems like it's become more and more of a problem recently. I don't know if there's anything uh, anything going on with iRacing with that cup car. Or, this was our uh, truck that I had a problem with, but with uh with lag times or what but it seems like uh, net coding is becoming more and more of a problem and i'm hoping that it if it's on iRacing's and that they they can figure out get that thing fixed a little bit better because uh it's really disappointing when you take somebody out or you get taken out and you watch the replay and there's two feet between the two vehicles when it happens so um you know i know my internet's not top of the line but um so, you know, that could have been a contributing factor, but I've been hearing it from so many people recently that 
I don't know if that might be the case or not. Yeah, I've had uh, three or four netcode wrecks in the last week and a half or so. And I have video to show it too, and I put it up in the chat, and that's part of what you're hearing. So I personally have the problem as well. I mean, Brian, you've had it. We've heard it in the forums, and we've heard it, you know, on Facebook and stuff. So it's happening. And you're right. I hope iRacing addresses that. Well, even Brian, with what you're saying there, I've had my ping is start, started bouncing between 66 and 100 on the thing all the time, and I was I've been at for 10 years. I've been at 66 ping for iRacing all of a sudden it's changed in the last couple months and I haven't changed anything at home wise. Um, and it's been causing a little bit of problems with my car floating around, I guess sometimes, I don't even know if something like that, when you do have a problem with that, does it, you know, does it sometimes affect things like when you're running Talladega in the, in the draft and stuff like that, if your car's not getting tracked properly. Yeah, I would certainly think it is. Um, and, um, my ping is usually uh, under 100 for the most part, too. And it's always been, you know, around 80, 85, uh, unless, unless the kids are doing something stupid upstairs. But, um, but it's always been about that. And it seems like just recently the problem has gotten a lot worse. It's like something's on their ends changed where, you're, where they're grabbing the info. You've got to go get the information from for the servers. All right. Uh, Greg Hector's final thoughts. Um. We haven't really uh, talked about this much, but um, it's our one, our 300th episode next week. This is episode 299, what? and 300 is next Thursday. Um, Crazy. I'm pretty, I'm pretty jacked for that. I don't know. It's, you know, not many podcasts. Um, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, Mike, but not many podcasts last 300 episodes that talk about, you know, certain topics or hobbies like this. Usually it's either a sports one that just runs guests all the time and things like that but we're an information podcast and it's you know mike you've been here since day one and contributed to i don't know you haven't been on all 300 episodes because we've had some episodes, i've missed we, uh, like, three or four of them. of them and it's awesome and i've been here i don't know i've been here on what on four or five years now four years now and it's been so much fun to do all this with you guys and uh i look forward to another 300 episodes yeah greg um um, I haven't been here as long as you guys have, um, and but I've been a long time listener of podcasts of different varieties. And one 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 podcaster who who became pretty big uh, talked about some of the success that he's had, and, and people ask him how do how how are you successful on a podcast? And his main point, number one point, he says deliver your product on time every week or whatever your schedule is. Don't miss it because when people start seeing uh, podcasts, didn't, no one didn't come out this week on schedule, then they start phasing out. And I think this, this the consistency that 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 uh, this podcast has has achieved is is something really uh, to be proud of. Well, you're you're totally right with that whole thing about um, you know I look at my podcast, I download podcasts every night before I go to bed to listen for my next day when I'm driving, I drive a truck for a living. So I've always, you know, podcasts make me get through my day. And if I know that, you know, if I know a podcast is supposed to be there and it doesn't show up, I'm like, ah, oh, I always listen to this podcast on this day and it's not there. And it, you know, it does irk you. So, you know, Mike has been, we sometimes joke with Mike on this too, but Mike is really, you know, consistent about getting this out and getting it um, to all the plat places it needs to be on a consistent basis. And that's, you know, is what we've needed to do. And, um, you know, we have an, uh, we've, we've had some really good episodes and 
um, I just hope we keep doing it more. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, 300, who would have thought, you know? And I actually, we were talking about it today, and I went on Google, and I was trying to find out how many podcasts is what I was searching. How many podcasts have 300 episodes? I couldn't find the answer. Um, but Someone, there's a lot of stats out there, but that's not one of them. Yeah, and um, one of the one of the cool things is that we have a group of people who put this together. You know, Mike Mike's the main guy, and he's the podfather of the show, and he works super hard, puts in a lot of time, a lot of effort in the show. But if he can't make it one week, you know, we have guys like David to fill in as as a host. Greg's always great uh, filling in if if we have issues. So uh, we have a lot of resources here, and uh, we use it to be consistent and and put out the best product as we can. Yeah, it's a group effort. I don't want to take credit for everything, even though I do a lot of it, but um, it is a group effort. There's no way I could have gotten to 300 without everybody who's been involved, every host who's been on the show, every guest. Um, there's no way I could do this content without the other people. For me, it's easy. I mean, I, I spend a few minutes each day uh gathering content we spent a couple hours talking in a room that we probably would have talked anyway it's no it, it's not work to me it's easy and it opens so many opportunities for us as a team um and so there's so many benefits of the podcast just personally uh within the iRacing community and those kind of things so really happy to make it to 300 and we'll we'll have another show next week and we'll just keep going Okay, so Kyle Pendigraph, final thoughts. Um, actually, I've got two of them real quick. Uh, the first one is Loud Pedal Gaming is no longer in existence. It's actually uh, been turned over to Loud Pedal TV now. A uh, situation happened on Facebook that uh, forced me to uh, basically shut down my other stream and start a new one. Um, but the actually big one here that I want to talk about is the iRacing iRock Challenge Series. Uh, tonight, uh, coming up here in 30 minutes, is our final race of season three. Uh, so we're looking to crown us to be Aaron Smith of the championship after this race. Uh, season four is in the works. Uh, we are about three to four weeks out from it, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever. And I'd like to also announce we actually have Bobby Hamilton Jr., an ex-NASCAR driver who's going to uh, take place in the league for season four. So uh, if you're interested in the league, we've got a few open spots. Reach out to me, and I'll get you set up. All right. And congratulations on the win. Um, you know, we got you on this team because we like winners and uh, you just proved it, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. And good win to you as well. Yeah. And so my final thoughts, uh, Talladega. <laughs> You're next, Greg. But Talladega, I mean, you guys expect me to win on a restrictor plate almost. And so the pressure is on coming into Talladega. But normally I'm kind of on cloud nine on a Daytona week, you know, confident, cocky, but not this week because I knew what the racing would be like. I knew it was going to be single file garbage where nobody will pull out to pass, even if you could, because nobody will. And it's just horrible, horrible racing, and I can't stress that enough that NASCAR, iRacing, please fix this, please. I know it's not all iRacing. I know it's NASCAR's package too, but something's not right here. I mean, they gotta fix Talladega. We used to have so much fun racing there in big packs. I want that back. Uh, we don't have packs anymore. So um, let's get the packs back. 
far as my build, I mean, it's like I've, you know, purchased everything. It's like riding a wave at this point. Uh, wondering, did I get everything right? Did I overspend? Did I buy the wrong product? What's going to happen? Where am I going to build it? You know, what am I going to do? Do I have the right tools? Oh my God, there's so much anxiety about the whole thing, but we'll uh, try to keep it in check. And uh, next week, I might be talking to you from a new rig. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.